So on today's episode of Vacation Rental and Airbnb Mastery, Tim and I are going to discuss why you should reduce barriers to booking with you to increase the likelihood of getting a booking upon first glance. So we want to reduce the gap that guests have um, when trying to book a property. This gap I'm speaking of is all those extra fees, minimum night stays, restrictions, deposits, everything that can prevent a guest from booking with you. We need to analyze, review, reflect, and make sure we're not scaring people away. So I know that um, Tim and I were discussing previously um, security deposits on the last episode. And let's start there. When you're doing a security deposit, you are adding costs to the booking, even if they're getting it back, because that takes money out of their wallet. And that could have been money they were going to use on vacation. Now they don't have it. So Tim, do you think like security deposits add a big barrier to booking sometimes? Yeah, I think they can, John. I think if we don't manage them correctly, they can be a barrier. And and I've learned a lot here. And typically I learn by making mistakes. So I'm happy to share all my mistakes with our listeners and then how I've adjusted. So what I've learned over time is to eliminate the barrier of security deposits. I only charge the security deposit about 14 days out from the rental. Early on, that security deposit was being charged when they booked the rental. So in some cases, I may have that money tied up for a long period of time. And that was a barrier for the guest. So what I've learned is charge that security deposit about 14 days out from when the rental begins. But here's a key lesson that I've learned. If you use Stripe, which I do, when you collect that deposit, I now keep that deposit in my Stripe account versus depositing it into my bank account. Why? Because by having it in my Stripe account, I'm able to quickly refund that money to the guest. If you don't refund it quickly, that's a barrier. If you do refund it quickly, that eliminates the barrier. But if you collect that deposit, put it into your bank account, leaving a zero balance in your Stripe account, and now you want to refund it to the guest, it can take seven to 10 days. That is a huge issue and it creates distrust with the guest. So again, lessons learned. I'm sharing all of my mistakes with listeners so that we can all avoid these going forward. But I think those are two barriers that we can eliminate making security deposits much more approachable to our guests. I like how you shared that because guests can be thinking you're trying to do something sneaky when you're not refunding them quickly. And that could lead to a bad review as well. Like they could have wanted to leave you this great five-star review of saying how great your place was. And because they didn't get their money back, they're not going to do that, right? Because you're holding their money. So it's so important to reduce that barrier and having like a quick process to refund the security deposit, super, super, super important. Um, I want to touch on minimum night stays because that's part of pricing. Um, and since this is a mini series on pricing, uh, minimum night stays is part of setting your rates. And if you have like on peak season, a seven night minimum, because you want people to book your property for at least one week in a busy season, that's great. Uh, I applaud you. You should do that. But if you have a week minimum or two week minimum, and it's September in Orlando, Florida, you are going to drastically reduce the chances of people booking with you because they're not even going to see your property in the search results. 
So if I'm looking for like October 1st through the 5th and you have a seven night minimum, you won't even show up to me. You'll be completely invisible. And you may not have wanted that to happen, but because you skipped that step and you didn't adjust your minimum night stays when setting your rates and you left it for seven day minimum across the board, now you're practically invisible. You are invisible to a lot of people looking to stay for four or five or six nights. So our recommendation um, from past experiences is in a, in a slow season, and this is depending on the type of home that you have, because if you have a large home, you might not want to rent for four nights. But for the slowest seasons, I've seen four night minimum. Uh, base, base rate, I've seen five night minimum. High season, I've seen six night minimums. And when you're at peak, I've seen seven to 10 night minimum stays. Does that sound right to you, Tim? Or are you doing something dramatically differently from that? No, I found that works very, very well. And it's pretty much aligned with how the guests are vacationing as well. So what you've outlined, I've uh, I've seen work very, very well. But it's like everything else, John. We just have to keep our eye, eye on it. Be- just because it's working today doesn't mean next year it's going to work the same. But for now, I think what you outlined works very well. Great. And let's reduce the gap, everyone. Like Charge fair, clean fees. Extra fees, as Tim said before, nickel and diming really turns people off. And consider putting everything into your nightly rate. Um, I've seen a lot of hosts do that. It does make your nightly rate higher. Um, but if if you're like like Tim and you deliver like this premium premium listing, you can do that. And that's why um, what what he talked about before with his pool heat, he puts it included in his rate because it, it looks better when you're booking. It reduces those barriers to booking with you. So everything is. Everything is like optional and everything is going to be the balls in your court. So you're going to choose what's best for you. Um, but my recommendation personally is try to reduce the gap, charge fair fees, don't nickel and dime your guests and try to provide a better value because it's all about the guest experience. We're talking about pricing and, and the financial side of the business right now, but you have to always put yourself in the shoes of the guests because those are the people booking with you. So while you may see it from the business side, because you know you have tons of expenses, everything from like your mortgage, your utilities, you have to put inventory in there, et cetera. They don't see it that way. They're just trying to go on vacation. So you want to reduce those barriers to booking so you could optimize your pricing and, and make more money. So to, to reiterate, you don't want to be the low cost provider. I mean, you won't do well, but don't like nickel and dime guests and, and just make sure that when you're doing your pricing, you reduce the barriers to booking as much as possible. Um, Tim, do you have anything else to add on this topic of, of reducing barriers to booking? You know, I think this, I think this is a, a great topic. And I think the way I would refund or uh, kind of recap it, John, is we do want to make things very straightforward, very easy to use for the guest. John's exactly right. It starts with having an appropriate nightly rate. It's followed by having a uh, an appropriate minimum night stay, appropriate for your home as well as the the time of season. Try to eliminate that nickel and diming. That's a big barrier. And then if you use security deposits, set it up in a way that it's not a barrier, but instead just viewed as acceptable to your guests. If you can eliminate the barriers and make it a very straightforward and transparent process for your guests, you'll create trust upfront, and that will result in bookings as well as repeat visits. 
Right on, Tim. And uh, Tim and I want to demystify this this pricing process for you. And, and I know it might be a lot of information at first, but that's why we want to share resources that will help you actually put this into practice. And there's two really helpful resources that we want to share with you. One, we've spoke about it on the previous podcast. It's that comparables analysis worksheet. That's where you can get started finding your comp set and seeing where you lie in your market, right? Where you can actually start. And then the second tool we're going to share with you is it's a it's an example of nightly rates per season in our market in Orlando. So you can see what our rate bands look like, like what low season is, what mid season is, what high season is, what peak season is in our market. And it also will show the minimum night stays for for the seasonality that we put out on that worksheet. Now that's just what's current for our market right now, but you can use it to visualize how you can start your own pricing project. And it's going to be helpful because a lot of these dates have overlap with most major markets in the United States. So we're going to share that with our subscribers. So go to vacationhomehelp.com slash podcast, enter your email, and you'll receive those resources. Okay. The next episode is going to be about the obsession over occupancy and profit margin. We're going to talk about why you should balance your income goals with value creation for your guests and not obsess over occupancy all the time because the obsession over occupancy can lead you to do things that are not in your best interest or your guests' best interest. So with that being said, let's go on to the final episode of our mini series on pricing. Let's go.